0: Welcome to ITalks, the podcast with illuminating conversations. The conversations we have together are essential to reflect and grow as professionals. Sometimes these conversations go longer than our 30 minutes together. The statements, conversations, and enlightening moments shared in these originally unaired clips deserve to be heard. So, welcome back to the conversation. Now, we want to welcome David Kelly to share his journey on personalized learning. You'll remember him from our previous iTalks episode, where he shared his insight as an innovative learning coordinator in Berkeley County School District. Welcome, Mr. Kelly.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be here again.
0: Mr. Kelly, tell us about your journey with personalized learning. How did you learn about it?
1: Uh, I first started to explore, start learning about it, maybe about four years ago, four or five years ago. One of my friends, he works in Atlanta, and we were presenting at ISTE on personalizing learning, Google versus Microsoft, and that was our whole idea. So I started looking at their framework that they had, and just exploring the different components and how you know a lot of it we're already doing and just how we were doing that using the Google products and that was what our presentation was about because they're more of a Microsoft district there right I'm just telling teachers about personalizing learning implementing the different tools that they already have at their disposal so that's when I started to dig deep and actually start to do some research into it and then lately Last couple of years, the State Department actually came out with a framework that kind of outlined the different components for personalized learning in South Carolina. So that made it a little easier when it came time to communicate this idea to teachers because now we have this structure, this framework. That we can use to say hey let's make sure we have these different components working with teachers helping them with implementing personalized learning to explicitly outline the components and making sure we have these components in their everyday instruction so i've been able to work with a couple of teachers throughout my district in the eight schools that i work with helping them slowly but surely start to personalize learning in the classrooms with this being berkeley county's school districts exploration year for personalized learning. We're just kind of dipping our feet in the waters and figuring out what works for us and what doesn't work for our students. We can come up with a plan.
2: That's great.
1: Cuz I know me as a kid, you tell me to do something whether I was going to do it or not. That made me not want to do it. Mm,
2: right. The grade wasn't even an incentive. I didn't you? care about
1: a grade. <laughs> oh <my goodness. laughs> Imagine that. I didn't care about grades and Part of the reason, I guess, why I'm passionate about personalized learning is because I feel like going through school, um, I realized this in high school, I don't feel like it worked for me. Mm-hmm. Sitting there for an hour listening to the teacher talk at me, it didn't work. And I knew how I learned, and I would always, I mean, I would end up teaching myself later anyway. In so, my own way. in my own way, mm-hmm. all I needed was you to tell me, all right, this is the topic or the content that we need to do. I'm going to teach myself later. So, right now, I'm just sitting here. Or, I mean, sleeping for an hour because I'm not, I know I'm not going to get anything from what you're giving me right now. And you're wasting my time. I really felt like that. And I would end up teaching myself later. I would do well on tests, Mm -hmm. but wouldn't do classwork.
0: So personalized Mm -hmm. learning, had that been the structure for you in high school, you Mm -hmm. felt like you probably would have done a lot better better than what you did.
1: Right. I would have, you know. Not making an excuse for not taking Pride. ownership of my learning, oh, right? but it wasn't as much of an option. Mm-hmm. It was more, I'm going to tell you what to do and you're going to do it my way. And if you don't regurgitate exactly what I say or you don't do exactly what I tell you to, you're not going to make a good grade. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so let's talk to teachers. Okay. How can they readily utilize personalized learning in their classrooms?
1: Actually, I think it's a lot easier for them to do it because they're already doing components of it. So a lot of teachers are already having these small groups. They're already having the kids do all these hands-on activities where they're able to demonstrate their learning in a variety of different ways instead of just a multiple choice test. But then just, I guess, looking to move from where they may be more differentiated Moving from differentiation to personalization, where with differentiation, it's more teacher focused and it's more of the teacher doing the work and just figuring out where can I give up control, which is a big thing for teachers. Where can I give up control to the students so the students can take that ownership?
2: Can you share the story of how you and a partner teacher kind of worked to implement it in her classroom?
1: Ah oh, yes. So was it about two, three years ago? This was after I learned about the State Department's framework. That July, I wanna say, I met with the teacher. I emailed the teacher and I was like, hey, got this great idea that you know we can we can do in your class next year. So we actually met at the library. I walked her through the idea. She was a little hesitant at first, but, you know, she she came around. And she's the kind where I know she's willing to take chances. And it was perfect. Her biggest concern was the administration. And she wanted to make sure her principal, when she came in to do observations, she wasn't going to look around like she didn't know what was going on. Mm -hmm. She wasn't going to, quote unquote, get in trouble for doing this. Right. We went up to the school together and we shared the idea with the principal principal's like, hey, I love it. And it didn't hurt that the idea was just shared at the principal's meeting (laughs) like a week before. So, you know, she was already on board because she understood that this was the direction that the district was moving in. right? We sat there, we talked out different ideas and how we could do it. And she was all on board for it. She even told her, she was like, yeah, you need to redo your whole room so, go on Amazon, figure out what furniture you need, oh and we'll order God. it right wow. now. It was in there two days later. I mean, it was that quick, yeah, but then when school started, the first month or so was probably the roughest because you know the kids have to get acclimated to this new structure right of how to do school mm-hmm. if that's what you want to call it after the students got acclimated, and the teacher as well, because mm-hmm. you know it's a lot of front loading and making sure that the students have what they need when they need it. So you kind of have to, it's like chess, you kind of have to be three steps ahead of the game. Mm -hmm. But what the teacher said was, it made her life a lot easier. One, because now she has the time to meet with each individual student. She has the time to pull those small groups when she sees that those students need help. Mm -hmm. She still did whole group, but she did like mini lessons, maybe 15 minute mini lessons and then disperse them, let them disperse and Go work, you know, whatever they needed. She also said that her behavior, which was one of the issues that she thought she was going to have, but she didn't have any behavior issues. The students are taking that ownership of their learning. It's no longer, I'm going to do this because you told me to. Right. It's, I'm choosing to do this because I know what's best for me and how I learn and what my interests are. I know who I am as a learner, so I'm going to do this so I can learn the way I learn. Mm Mm-hmm and not the way that you want me to learn.
0: So for that teacher that you were working with,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you said that first month was very challenging. Was mm-hmm. it that mindset of having to get around how they were to used to doing school and her implementing the personalized learning framework for her students that was challenging, or was it the actual implementation of it?
1: I think it was, it was more of... Kind of a combination of both. Okay. So getting over the mentalities, because she taught fifth grade. So they've been in school for five years, counting kindergarten. If you count pre-K, six years. So they've been trained for six years now. Mm -hmm. So just trying to break that training into that compliance where I'm going to do this. I'm going to wait for you to tell me what to do. And I'm going to do what you tell me to do Mm -hmm. instead she was trying to get them to think for themselves right? to figure out how they learn, you know, that metacognition, learning about themselves, which they weren't used to. And then for implementation, you know, it's always anytime you do anything new is going to be a challenge. Right. And so just getting used to it because mm-hmm. it wasn't just new for, for the kids. It was new for we her were, as well. Right. So just figuring out the best ways to implement those different components for her students as well.
2: So since some of our listeners may be hearing about personalized learning for the first time, do you have any suggestions for those people who are are ready to get started if they're interested?
1: I would say look at who your learners are. Learn who your learners are and allow them to learn about themselves as learners. So a lot of times, most teachers, I'd say about 90% of teachers, the first day or week of school, you know, we give out that little learner interest survey, Mm -hmm. And then it goes in a file cabinet for the rest of the year. Right. Try to actually use that and see how what that data that is collected on those learner interest surveys can be used during your instruction. How you can implement those student interests. How you can have them identify different strategies for how they can learn best. Or even a, another piece to it is that reflection. Allowing them to look back at who they were or who they thought they were mm-hmm. the first day or first week of school and comparing that to who they are now.
0: That's good. What are some of the things that I'm looking for or I want to get from my students or what are some of those questions I can put on a survey to kind of help guide me to where I need to go as a teacher for personalized learning?
1: So we want to look at their their interests, so what kinds of things are they interested in. I think it's important to look at the learning styles and also the multiple intelligences. I think those are important as well. Another thing I would throw in there is, how do they view school? Mm. How have your past experiences in school shaped how you view school? That's important. Um, Looking at their family lives, what's going on at home, that's important.
0: Mm -hmm. So it's not just academics based, you're wanting to look at the child as a whole. As a
1: whole, right. And it's
0: not a static document that you take at the beginning of the year.
2: It's a dynamic document that you and the student work together to evolve.
1: Correct, correct. And it's that constant reflection. Because the student should not be the same person they were three months ago. (laughs)
2: Right. I would hope not. (laughs) Right.
1: I mean, we as human beings, we are constantly evolving and just Mm -hmm. being aware of that evolution.
2: For our listeners who aren't sure if this is something they should implement, what encouraging words do you have for them as they begin to explore personalized learning?
1: Well, I would have to quote the words of a famous philosopher named Miss Frizzle. Uh, there we go. Take chances, make mistakes, get messy. You can't be afraid to do what's best for your kids. You have to step out of your comfort zone so that not only you can grow, but also your students can grow. Mm-hmm. Too often I see students' growth and learning being stifled because teachers are uncomfortable with different things. Teachers don't want to step out of their comfort zone or out of their box so they don't allow students to do that. So students' growth is stagnant and it's based on the comfort zone of the teacher, mm. which isn't fair to the kids.
0: Right.
1: Most of the time, kids will do far beyond anything we could imagine that they could do if we allow them to
0: so teachers can expect to grow from this journey as well not just their students
1: most definitely most definitely
0: we want to thank you for joining us on another italks minisode Don't forget to check out the show notes and other episodes on our website at bit.ly slash A5ITalks. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash A-5-I-T-A-L-K-S.